You're listening to NGSC Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSCSports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports' YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop. Kicking off this episode of the Bear Pocket. What a way to kick off our 400th episode. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What a way, huh? Oh, man. Welcome in, everyone. I'm Edward Green. Joined, as always, by my calling crime, Wes Bradshaw. Oh, my. Mm-hmm. Um, and and what, a, what a fun episode mm-hmm. we have. This is, this is essentially Wes's second Christmas. As we, as we texted about it is his uh it's the transfer market closing in in january and uh so we have all the the big transfers and i'm sure we'll be getting into that uh we are going to do a quick look around at um the the matches that took place um for world cup qualifying that are very important especially in conmobile which is as mm-hmm. always the the crucible to uh betray all crucibles and so we'll uh, we'll take a quick peek at that and just look at what's coming up here in terms of matches, and then we'll hit the the uh, the big transfers. And we'll do a little bit of news and notes, hit the watch for, and call it a day. Uh, as always, the podcast is presented by NGSC Sports at NGSCSports.com. We never stop. Um, so that out of the way, let's very quickly go through the matches that will be coming up here. Uh, in the Premier League, just won this weekend. It is as predominantly an FA Cup weekend. Burnley and Watford do have a makeup match. They will be playing on Saturday. Uh, and then uh, Tuesday, everybody's back in action as Brighton Hove plays Chelsea at uh, TBA. I'm not sure when TBA is, but that's what's currently listed according to this schedule. Uh, at 2.45, you have Newcastle, Everton, West Ham, Watford, and then 3 p.m. Burnley versus Manchester United. On Wednesday, it's Man City, Brentford, and Spurs, Southampton at 2.45, along with Norwich Palace. And at 3 p.m., it's Aston Villa versus Leeds. And then on Thursday, uh, a couple of dandies, 2.45 p.m., Liverpool versus Leicester, and Wolves versus Arsenal. Some big matches there. So that's your upcoming Premier League schedule in the FA Cup. The fourth round proper is starting. Um, and there are a couple of dynamite matches. Uh, Everton taking on Brentford and Wolves taking on Norwich in Premier League on Premier League violence, along with Tottenham versus Brighton. Uh, Liverpool will be taking on Cardiff. Man City will be hosting Fulham. And Manchester United gets Middlesbrough, while Chelsea gets Plymouth Argyle. Uh, the lowest-ranked team in the competition is still Kidderminster. Come on, you Kidderminsters. They'll be hosting West Ham and seeing if they can uh, keep their big run alive. So uh, with that, uh, with uh, we're going to take a quick peek at Conmebol qualification. Um for the World Cup, Brazil and Argentina have locked their spot. Ecuador is getting very close with just two matches to play. But Uruguay, Peru, Chile, Colombia, 
all all bunched up together those those four teams and again only two uh one of those teams gets automatically in the another one goes to the intercontinental playoff and two are out um Wes, we, we've we've seen so many you know times of the World Cup in the past decade or so. Teams like Chile and Colombia, with names like Alexis Sanchez and Ames Rodriguez, um, even Uruguay with with Luis Suarez, not yet locked up in there. Although he did have a big match earlier in this uh, qualification uh, international break. Um, but just what a crucible that we still, uh, again, aside from really Brazil and Argentina, who of course. We don't really have an idea yet of who's coming out of it. And no matter what, there could be some big names missing this next World Cup. Uh, there definitely could. Comdeball is always a brutal slog <laughs> to have to get through, um, usually outside of the big two down there. Um, Uruguay is in one of those transition phases where they're transitioning away from the Cavani um, Suarez, Uruguay, um, you know, Colombia is uh, transitioning out of that really good generation that they had, uh, led by the aforementioned James Rodriguez. Um, you know, the 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 Luis Diaz's team now, <laughs> Welbs. Um, <laughs> but you know, there there's some teams that uh, you know, some some of the old guard is. They're they're either still there and they're a little past past their prime, um, or they're you know they're breaking in new generations. So I mean, right now I'm not gonna lie to you, I don't really keep up very much with South American qualifying. So outside of Brazil and Argentina are gonna get in, I can't really tell you what's gonna happen. But that's what's kind of exciting about it. Oh yeah, absolutely, and seeing uh, a team like. Uh, Peru right now who are in fifth uh, and could make a decent run at trying to get one of those last couple of automatic spots would be really huge for, for a country like that. Um, they always did have that sort of uh, interesting uh, elevation that they play in all for their home matches and have that kind of equalizer, but they are actually a pretty darn good team right now. So it would be interesting to see if they can actually get to their world cup. Um, so yeah, big things there in Comable. Uh, really quickly, just a couple of the other confederations. Uh, Syria has uh, already locked up a, at least a... Oh, wait, that's the wrong one. Um, Iran <laughs> and South Korea are going on from Group A over in Asia, along with uh, Saudi Arabia and Japan looking close to clinching as well. Australia is in a little bit of trouble in terms of trying to get to their uh, to the intercontinental playoff uh, after drawing to Oman. And oh man, what a draw that was. So unfortunately, Australia has a lot of work to do with only two matches to play. Uh, and then finally, rounding off with the CONCACAFiest of qualification procedures, CONCACAF. Uh, the USA uh, got past Honduras 3-0. Uh, and thankfully, none of their players died because it was negative 32 degrees in uh, Minneapolis. Good call. Oh. Good call, USMNT. Good call to, uh, to have a match in literally below freezing temperatures. Well done, everyone. Um, as, they, need, they needed the home field advantage. Yeah, obviously against Honduras. Yeah, against a team who hasn't won a single game in qualifying. You know? The amazing thing is, and I saw a couple people say this, but this is this is a thing you do when like you're clearly the worst team. Like if yeah. this was against Mexico or something, where you're like, well, we we want it, we want the equalizer with weather. Sometimes crazy things happen. We saw. 
maybe eight years ago when they played that match against oh. Costa Rico and Costa Rico's really good in the snow oh. and that really leveled things up and, and the weather played a decent role and the United States was able to get a win here. Uh, this could have backfired spectacularly. It did not. USA won three nils. That's, that's good for them. Uh, and they are getting closer to, uh, to getting a spot in the next world cup. Uh, still some things to be decided as they're only a couple points ahead right now of uh, Panama who are in fourth place and Costa Rica in fifth. So it's going to come down to the U S for the, uh, to the last international break for qualifying, but uh, Canada, if they get a win in the match, they're currently playing, they could be pretty much locked up. So that would be, Super awesome for Canada to make the World Cup. Kind of like Peru's a good story down in uh, CONMEBOL. Canada would be a great story in CONCACAF. Sorry, right. great story. Sorry. Great story, eh? Sorry. Oh, man. So uh, that that is pretty much going to do it for our match talk. And now we're going to get into the bulk of Wes's goodness. And that <clears throat> is the transfer news. Um, I think I'm just going to start by just throwing out some names. That changed, uh, that changed, uh, that changed teams during this transfer window. Uh, we're gonna start. I'm gonna try to go in order of when they happen here from my notifications here. Uh, Callum Chambers has left Arsenal. Uh, he's going to Aston Villa. Adama Traore uh, is ended up going to Barcelona on loan. Uh, why did my phone uh, go dark? Uh, Luis Diaz joining Liverpool for fifty million from Porto. These are all dollars because this is how the notifications give it to me. Uh, oh. Bruno joining Newcastle because they have money to splash now uh, for Milan for forty six million. Uh, everyone's best feel good story. Christian Eriksen is officially joining Brentford. That was awesome. Uh, not so awesome. Tenga and Dumble is joining Leon back. Uh, on loan from Tottenham. Uh, Nat Phillips joining Bournemouth in the championship on loan from Liverpool. Uh, Tottenham brought in a pair of players from Juventus, Rodrigo Betancourt and Dejan Kulishevsky, both coming in, uh, one on loan and one on a $21 million fee. Uh, Julian Alvarez is uh, signed now with Man City for $19 million from River Plate, uh, but he will be staying with them until at least the summer. Uh, Brian Hill, Giovanni Lacelso also leaving Tottenham on loan. Uh, one's going to Villarreal, one to Valencia. Uh, Donny ah. v- Van de Beek is out of Manchester United pr- uh, prison. Sorry, sorry, Jesse Lingard. Uh, and is joining Everton. Joining him there will be Deli Ali leaving oh, Tottenham. What, a, what, a, what an upgrade for poor Van de Beek. Yeah. Um, Deli Ali leaving Tottenham for 52 million. Um, so since he only cost five mil, according to the song, that's a pretty good piece of business. If all the clauses in that contract come through. And then lastly, Pierre Emmerich Aubameyang is joining Barcelona. Barcelona. That, I mean, that's, that's about the level they are right now. They are, you, they're, you basically nailed it with that. I did is joining Barcelona from Arsenal. The former Arsenal captain is heading to Spain where, yeah, they have money, I guess. Um, so obviously Wes, a ton of big transfers more, more even than that, uh, taking place. Um, I'm, I'm sure you are chomping at the bit to talk about them. So I will waste no more time and let you take the floor. Um, well, just know I'm probably just going to be jumping around here on a bunch of stuff. Oh, that's fine. Uh, since you, uh, since you mentioned Barcelona there at the end, <laughs> um, let's, uh, let's start with them. Uh, Arsenal had, or I'm sorry, God, Jesus, I've done My it bad. myself. Um, Barcelona 
I had no money, right? Yeah, that's what I thought. That, wasn't that the game we were going with? Barcelona had no mm-hmm. money, mm-hmm. Uh, but they were able to sign four players. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. creative. Uh, so uh, they signed in this window. You mentioned it, Obama Yang, Ferran uh, Torres, Danny mm-hmm. Alves, and I'm literally looking at him right now and have totally blanked on his name. Traore. Uh, Traore. Yeah. yeah. So let's start it with this way. In true uh, Barcelona form, they they can only register three of those January signings for Europa League due to UEFA regulations. Of course. Of course. So, um, yeah. Uh, Obama Yang has gone on a free transfer that I believe will have some money going back at a later date mm-hmm. to Arsenal. Um, they did. A, they had to do a lot of work to get that in. He's taken a a very uh, significant pay cut. Go to Barcelona shows how bad he wanted out of Arsenal. Yeah, <laughs> which is great. Uh, Ferran Torres is uh, obviously one they have been looking for. Uh, young Spain international. Um, you know that's one they want definitely for the future. Uh, Danny Alves. Not so much a player for the future. <laughs> uh, but, you know, Danny Alves is a guy who could come in and just give them a little bit of just something. I don't know. He's Danny Alves. He's old mm-hmm. shit. And Adama Traore is basically the most mercurially maddening player in the world because he has every single physical trait that you would absolutely kill for mm-hmm. a winger. Uh, but he he like he can't finish for shit. Yeah. Um, a lot of Premier League teams were in on Traore. A lot of them thought they had a chance. Uh, and what would become a recurring theme in the window, Spurs <laughs> seemed to have a deal um, put together for him, and then someone else came in and got him. Uh, this time being Barcelona. So uh, I know he's a player who splits a lot of opinion. Um, people who love like just uh, just. Physical traits and skills seem to love Adama Traore. Mm-hmm. He's big. He's 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 fast as lightning. He's he's got every like physical trait you could ask for in a footballer. But man, he, he's never really been able to put it together at a really high level. Had that one really good season at Wolves, mm-hmm. um, and then just never really been able to put it together. Like I said, was linked with a lot of Premier League teams. Ends up at Barcelona, so uh, good, good for him. Good for good for Barcelona. Those those plucky those plucky guys. They deserve so uh, they deserve all the good things that come to them in life, right? <laughs> yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> uh, running across the rest of this, um, I I think Newcastle had a really good um winter transfer window. Um, they go and get the uh, Dan Byrne from uh, Brighton, mm-hmm. which was a player that they really, really needed. Um, they need a left side uh, central defender. Um, that was a, that was a really good, that was a really good pickup for them. Actually, uh, they go and get Bruno. I think it's Grimius. Grimius. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't have him in front of me, but um, Gr- 
Yeah, I'm just going to go with that. Bruno. Uh, as you say, it's Bruno, and not the <laughs> and not the one who falls down all the time at Manchester United. Um, a lot of people are really high on this guy. Uh, he is a Brazilian. Um, really, really good with the ball. They say he retains the ball extremely well, which is something that um, uh, Newcastle severely are in need of. They're in need of quality all across that squad. And he's a guy who they really were able to bring in and get some good quality in him. Um, a lot of the experts seem to think Newcastle have done enough to uh, give themselves a really good chance to stay up. Mm-hmm. They brought in Chris Wood, too. Right, right. Got Chris Wood and got Wood on basically a... Uh, they got him on a release clause mm-hmm. that... Honestly, it was just a really good piece of business. Even if they want to turn around and sell him in the summer, uh, they should make back more than what they paid for Chris Wood. Uh, kind of just an adept piece of business. And not only that, but um, taking him away from really a direct competitor in the relegation race at this time. Mm-hmm. So if nothing else, you get him away from a team that he could possibly uh, contribute to and help. And, you know, at this point, when you're trying to avoid relegation, sometimes you just you do what you got to do. Oh, yeah. Um, it might not be the sexiest move ever, but sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, Newcastle, uh, still a lot of work for that group to do. Uh, they're still interviewing director of football people. So really, this window was headed up by Eddie Howe. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I've just, I've got to give him some props. I think he did a good job with what was available to him at the moment. He did have some money to spend, which helps. Um, they said Newcastle and Newcastle were in on a lot of people. Um, they said that uh, there are reports out there that Newcastle is just calling people like, Oh, what's your salary? All right, we'll double that. Oh, okay. We'll triple that. Sure. Oh yeah. That's great. Uh, yeah. So uh, they, uh, they're, they're all in. <laughs> they're all in so uh, here we go this should this should be fun <laughs> yes this should be fun coming up right um yeah probably gonna stay up so god man i, I tell you, you know, before these people took over newcastle i always had a soft spot for newcastle now it's kind of like yeah 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 oh maybe the ruination of football can use <laughs> um i'll go ahead and touch on liverpool while we're here um, Luis Diaz, uh, I think it's going to be a really good signing for Liverpool. It uh, gives them another forward option, um, not only for the rest of this season, but you know, a lot of people wondering, is this a succession plan for mm-hmm. one of the big three coming up? Uh, personally, I, I'd like to see us have five quality forwards <laughs> because – you know, for as many competitions as Liverpool are involved in, you need depth. Yeah. And, you know, the, the difference in the man cities of the world with everybody else is that their depth are starter level players. Mm-hmm. So for Liverpool, uh, you know, Luis Diaz hopefully can be a starter level player for them. Uh, they get him for a good price, uh, less than his release clause. Uh, this is a player that Liverpool were happy to make this deal in the summer. Uh, it looked like it looked like up until about a week ago that they were going to be very 
okay with just waiting until the summer, making this deal happen. There was a lot of interest on the players' uh, part. There was a lot of interest from uh, Porto, a lot of interest from Liverpool. Uh, but then uh, Tottenham Hotspur showed up on the scene, and they are like, hey, <laughs> let's make a deal. Yeah, let's make a deal, guys. Um, Tottenham literally got to the point where they had a deal agreed with the representatives of the player. Uh, financial terms were agreed upon. Um, and it sounds like they actually had a deal in place with Spurs. And then at the last minute, Liverpool kind of swooped in and said, well, look, you know, we really want the player. We'll give you a little more. Um, tell him to make his choice. And the player chose Liverpool at the end of the day. Um, Daniel Levy, I, I, I know he's not happy about not getting the player, but I don't really see where he's coming from throwing this conniption about it. I mean, is it just me, or have we seen this happen like a thousand times before already? Yeah, yeah. I mean, isn't this like kind of a something that we see every year in transfer windows? It's like, oh, man, we've got a deal. Oh, no, we got gazumped. I guess is the word we use, gazumped. Um, so maybe some sour grapes coming from Daniel Levy. I can understand it. I mean, you know, Luis Diaz is a guy who, you know, right now, I mean, he's the best player in Portugal this season. He's a guy that a lot of people think has a really big future ahead of him. Spurs were right there at it, and then it kind of got the rug pulled out from under him at the end. And not only that, you know, Spurs kind of had an up and down transfer window as well. Um, we'll transition over to Spurs now. Spurs had an up and down transfer window that saw them bring in a couple of, you know, players that have some high ceilings. Uh, but also it could go down as a, a window of, well, what if for Spurs? Mm. Uh, Bruno Diaz, Adama Traore, there, there were some other guys in there that Spurs were heavily linked with. Uh, at the end of the day, the two players that they brought in from Juventus, uh, Bettenker and Kulisevsky, uh those could be some really big signings. Bettenker yeah. will have to see. He had he had a really good season for Juventus a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, since then, of course, uh, they have made changes uh, to the managerial staff, uh, also to the front office. And it just seemed like he didn't really fit in with what's currently going on at Juventus. Um, That doesn't mean that he can't be a really good player, though. Uh, Uruguayan, uh, I think they said like 50 international caps already for Uruguay. Um, So he's a solid quality player. Uh, and Conte wanted to go and get him. So, you know what? Let's see what Antonio Conte can do with the guy. Um, should have something. But really, when it comes down to this deal, I think the uh, the crown jewel of this deal was Kulisevsky. Yeah. 21 years old. I believe he's Swedish. Um, mm-hmm. Was brought in. Uh, Pirlo really, really wanted him. At Juventus, he got him, and then, of course, Pirlo ended up not being the manager very much longer. Yeah. Uh, Kulisevsky has all the talent in the world. Um, I mean, he has the makings to be a, a really, really top-notch player. 
Um, he's they say he's built kind of awkwardly. He's tall. He's gangly. He likes to run at people, but man, he's a really good player. Mm-hmm. I think he just he may have just needed that change of scenery, that opportunity, that manager that really believes in him. And man, Spurs could really, really have something in Kulisevsky. So um, I think as a Spurs fan, I would be really excited, especially about him. Uh, but also Bettencourt, because, I mean, let's be honest, Spurs midfield. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think one of the really good things, like even even though we can't talk about the what ifs, I think the biggest thing about this window was really getting just just a couple reinforcements to try mm-hmm. and make a push at the top four. Because yeah, yes, it would have been great to get someone like a Luis Diaz. That's that's not out of the question. But I think if they just get enough to get what is a, in my opinion, a wide open top four slot and get in the Champions League next year then all of a sudden Tottenham becomes that much more, I know, jokes aside, of a of a destination for players because, hey, now you can offer them Champions League football along mm. with most likely Antonio Conte at the helm. And then if you support him in the summer and really go out there now with the knowledge of this Champions League money, I think that there's a very, very good chance these could prove to be, this could prove to be have been a very good window where they added without potentially breaking the bank. And because I also had like your worries with Traore, um, mm-hmm. you know, that was that was a big thing. Like, will he because, you know, I, I I kept thinking the way and I think he's better. I definitely think he's better. But the way you kept describing, I kept going back to how you once described Jordan Ibe. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. and I think Traore's better than Jordan Ibe. Yeah. But is he like that much better? It's a very similar skill set. And like you say, he doesn't really finish very well. So does he really have a place on this Conte team? I don't know. So I, I think that was a, 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 a transfer of, hey, this player just is really good. But I don't know if it's going to work. Um, whereas Luis Diaz won. Yeah, that was that was a little unfortunate that that happened. And I know there's there also some claims that some people felt that. Uh, maybe some people in Diaz's camp were just using the idea of Tottenham to go ahead and say, "Hey, hey, hey, Liverpool, Liverpool, the, the, the Tottenham, they they yeah. want they want our client. You 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 can't wait till the summer anymore. You better come get them now." And they're like, "Fine." Right. So I can I can understand a little bit of that frustration if that's where it's coming from. Like, hey, why why the fuck do you keep using us as bait for other teams? That kind of sucks. Um, but yeah, otherwise. it's whatever but yeah i i agree with you i think this could end up being still even though it's very weird and a big like roller coaster i think it can end mm-hmm. up being a pretty good window for tottenham and and hopefully this shows that you know they're trying and they did actually make some breakthroughs with the two juventus players and maybe that'll bode well for the summer transfer window with conte as well uh and, and i think too that daniel levy at least showed he at least showed um, in theory, that he was willing to spend some money. Yeah, because Diaz would not have been cheap if they had actually gotten him. No, I mean Liverpool ended up paying. He said about fifty million. Well, mm. you know, with add-ons and how everything mm. shake out, it could be a fifty to sixty million pound transfer by the time it's said and done. Um, and I think that that bodes well. Hopefully, God, hopefully Conte sees it this mm. way. Fingers crossed. You never know with that. <laughs> crazy, crazy Italian. Um, hopefully it shows him, you know, that Tottenham are 
committed to you know, opening up some funds for him, mm-hmm. uh, trying to help him build this team in the image that he wants to build them. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot, a lot, a lot of questions coming up for Tottenham in the summer because <laughs> don't get it twisted. Conte, you're going to hear a lot between now and then from Conte about wanting money and needing oh, yeah. to refresh the squad and do a lot of things. You're going to hear that. And uh, the summer especially is going to be time for Daniel Levy to put up or shut up when it comes to Antonio Conte. Agreed. 100% agreed. Um, moving on from that, you know, let's let's kind of stick with the Spurs theme and let's head over to Everton, now known as the island, <laughs> the island of misfit toys. <laughs> How dare you, sir? Well, I mean, I think um, I think one of the really surprising um, moves of this uh, of this transfer window was uh, Deli Alley mm-hmm. going to fucking Everton of all places. I mean, yeah. ew. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's that's the only way I can really put it is ew. Yeah. Deli Alley is like the never-ending conundrum of English players. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a guy who, as Roger Bennett said a year ago, he was connected with PSG and now he's at Everton. What a what a downfall! <laughs> yeah. Um, Deli Alley, of course, took England by storm about four or five seasons ago. At this point, um. You know, a, a, a young English player who came up from, you know, League One at uh, MK Dons mm-hmm. had really this meteoric rise with Tottenham Hotspur. Um, seemed just custom made to play for Antonio Conte, not Conte, I'm sorry, uh, Mauricio Pochettino. Mm-hmm. And then he started to lose a little. He he lost some of his form, and then Pochettino left, and it's just it's been completely downhill since then for Deli Alley. Yeah, also dealt with uh, a few injuries that I think really sapped him yeah. of uh, of what was probably one of his better strengths was his his motor and his speed. Right, and unfortunately for him, it's it's never. Mm-hmm. Worked out under the multiple Spurs manager <laughs> since. Um, and, you know, I think Antonio Conte is one of those managers who he comes in and he, he can pretty quickly tell, is this guy one of my guys? I think he pretty quickly could tell that Deli Alley wasn't going to be one of his guys. <laughs> and now Deli Alley basically, basically goes to Everton on – uh, I believe I heard this contract that was like no money up front to Spurs. Yeah, it's really weird because I think it's yeah, it's but- technically it's it's not a loan because Everton can't technically loan in anyone. Uh, right. They they've hit their cap, and so all the money had to be like back pay because but it's still technically kind of a loan. So right. it's like. He they only start to get paid like once he hits twenty appearances um over yeah. the two and a half years of the deal and and yeah, there's a lot of weirdness uh going on there. It's it's like some really easily met um criteria yeah. to get him paid. I think it's like once he hits twenty appearances, it's like mm-hmm. ten million pounds. And mm-hmm. I think there's another one if he, if he hit like when he hits fifty appearances 
And then the one that Tottenham will never collect if Everton makes the Champions League. There's like a big booster in there. Um, So there's some that they should get. There's a lot that they won't get. Um, But, wow, I mean, it's kind of like the fall of Delhi Ali at this point. I mean, And I'm not trying to pile on Everton, as you know. I would never do anything like that. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm way too nice for that. But uh, just um, just kind of head scratching. Well, they have a new has, manager that they got to back, Wes. God Almighty, they do. Uh, Frank Lampard, <laughs> fucking Frank Lampard. Uh, this was like the weirdest window ever. For Everton. Yep. It starts with them selling off Lucas Digne and then firing uh, the manager who wanted to get rid of Lucas Digne because he just <laughs> he couldn't live with that. So he had to get rid of him. <laughs> um, and then they, so then like a week later, they fire you know, Rafa. And then they go through this horrible, horrible coaching search that almost ends up with like a journeyman. Uh, Portuguese manager and then finally lands on Frank Lampard who I mean not to hate on Frank here but has Frank Lampard really achieved that much in management at this point? No. No. <laughs> I mean he he had a decent season with Derby. Didn't get him promoted but had a decent mm-hmm. season. Uh, came in did pretty well with Chelsea for a year, and then everything fell apart. But, oh, my God, we must hire Frank. Farha <laughs> uh, Mashiri, as Roger Bennett called him, is a psycho running their club. <laughs> uh, God almighty. I, I absolutely I love Farha Mashiri. I think they should name a street after him in Liverpool. It's, <laughs> it's just been fantastic. Um uh, Everton also bring in Vitaly Mikolenko from Dynamo Kiev. Um, they bring him in as well. And this wasn't they brought. Oh, like you said, Donny Van de Beek comes in. Yeah. Uh, once again, and that that's a loan deal, so kind of low risk there for Everton. Um, but you know, Van de Beek really doesn't look suited to English football. No. He seems to be one of those Dutchmen who, you know, the Dutch are really hit or miss in England. And Van de Beek seems like he's going to go in the miss pile. Mm -hmm. I don't know how much that's actually going to help Everton long term. Um, Everton just seriously need to get their lives together. They're, Everton are like the friends who've fallen on hard times and are suddenly showing up your door. I need to sleep on your couch. <laughs> uh huh. And then you get them in the middle of the night and they're like going through your refrigerator. <laughs> yeah. Everton. Oh, just, oh boy. That's a, that's a weird one. That's a weird one. They just have uh, no plan. Really? No, God, I mean, it's like we've said it, you know, you talk about, we talk about Manchester United being reactionary, and they are. Mm -hmm. Everton says, hold my beer. Hold (laughs) my really, really, really expensive 
uh, concert price beer. <laughs> Why do I pay concert prices without being at a concert? Because I can. So, yeah. Uh, anyway, most expensive um, uh, move in the January transfer window happened in Italy. Dusan Vlahovic. $90 million, that's American dollars, uh, moved from Fiorentina to Juventus. He's a young striker, um, has been really the best striker in Syria for the last few years. Uh, Juventus hoping he can help solve some of their problems up front. Um, so Vlahovic definitely one to keep an eye on. We'll mostly see him. Oh, boy. Excuse me. Uh, we'll mostly see them in Europe because um, I ain't watching Italian football no time soon. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> another notable Premier League uh, one. I think you, you may have mentioned that uh, Julian Alvarez, uh, mm-hmm. $18.7 million uh, River Plate to Man City. Uh, yep. He is spending the rest of the season on loan and he will uh, join up with City. Next year, Ferran Torres uh, seemed like so long ago. Ferran Torres, City to Barcelona, sixty and a half million dollars. Uh, Luis Diaz, forty nine and a half million. Million for million Leon to Newcastle, and somehow Lucas Digne was thirty. Three million works out for him. Um, I mean, that's about all I've got for uh, for the transfer window. Uh, just remember, of course, uh, now they said that this year was the most ever spent by British clubs in January, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and that more than half of that money came from the teams in the bottom five, mm-hmm. which of course include Everton and Newcastle. So. <laughs> They're spending, uh, but over two hundred million pounds spent in the um, January transfer window for Premier League teams. And of course, a big chunk of that was Liverpool, uh, Tottenham getting in on it, and Tottenham really the only one of the uh, teams in that race for fourth place right now that went and improved themselves. So, I'd say so. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. You know, I don't think United really made any moves. Uh, uh, West Ham. So we'll we'll talk United here for a second. Uh, in West Ham. West Ham tried to make a move. Um, that was with United, as uh, you know Jesse Lingard, who last year had a really, really nice uh, loan spell at uh, West Ham. <clears throat> um, no one able to make a deal for him over the summer. He went back to United. Surprise, surprise, not playing again. So wants to go back out on loan this spring. Uh, West Ham wanted him. United kind of wary about um, strengthening a, a rival opponent at this time. Uh, wouldn't let him go. Uh, and the thing is, here was the thing. Ralph Ranić was like, yeah, let the kid go. You know, he needs to go play. He wants to go play. His uh, Lingard's contract is out in June. Mm-hmm. So they're going to lose him for nothing at this point. They had a chance to at least get a fee. Um Newcastle were really hot and heavy. It looked like Newcastle were going to get them. They pulled out of that. Uh, United want a pretty ridiculous loan fee. God, they wanted something like, uh, how was it, like seven or eight million pounds? Mm-hmm. And then wanted like another, like a 
like another five million survival bonus if they were able to stay up. And yeah, at least, yeah. It's like, what the hell are you doing, United? You know, you're. Oh man. Uh, Of course, uh, a lot of people are now thinking that um, you know Lingard may be called into action. I know one will probably hit in the news and notes about Mason Greenwood. Yep. Uh, doesn't look like he's going to be playing football anytime soon. Nope. Uh, so, you know, Lingard may end up being needed for some cover here in the last few months of the season. So, you know, we'll see how that works out. I hate it for Jesse Lingard. You know, you want these guys to be able to go play. Mm-hmm. Uh, a move to France broke down for Phil Jones. <laughs> but, I mean, why the hell would you ever want to get rid of Phil Jones? He's I don't he's know. Literal perfection walking on two left feet. Exactly. Uh, he is... He's spectacular. Keep him around forever. Um, I need Phil Jones in my life pretty frequently. Please. Pretty frequently. Um, so, yeah, so United doesn't bring anybody in. Um, doesn't really send anybody out. I sent out a few guys on loan. Uh, Diallo, a guy that they signed last year in the January window, uh, he went out on loan. West Ham unable to really make anything happen. So Tottenham, Tottenham had the big improvement. You know, Bettencourt and Kulisevsky can come in and make things happen. Um, you know, could be a big, big boon for uh, the Tottenham Hotspurs. Yeah, and especially like Arsenal basically doing nothing and just except for loaning out people and selling people. Like, oh this yeah, is, this is it. It seems like everyone of their rivals pretty or at least for the top four this year either didn't really improve or just kind of got rid of people. And, and they were the only one that seemed like really added some good players. So I think, yeah, I, I think at this point, fourth place, it might be Tottenham's to lose. That might be a little strong just because of the, some of the quality that other teams have shown and the inconsistencies that all these teams have shown so far this year. But I, I kind of agree with you. I think Tottenham is one of the only teams in that battle for fourth that really significantly looks to have improved their chances in this transfer window. Um, just one team real quick to point out too. you know, <clears throat> Arsenal, we talked about a bummy going out um, mm-hmm. to Barcelona, Callum Chambers moving in this window and that's a that's a really interesting team to keep your eye on coming up in the next six months because you, you know Bar- uh, Arsenal I think have played better than most people thought they would this season. Mm-hmm. They've got that young core, but man, uh, the, it's going to be interesting to see what their numbers end up being. Um, maybe going into the end of this year, you know, Aubameyang is gone. And for whatever you thought, that was a veteran striker who knew how to score a lot of goals. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And and they didn't replace him. <laughs> That's the thing. <laughs> there was no replacement for it. Um, at the end of this season, uh, Eddie and Kitia, who is a um, uh, who has been a young prospect that they've been excited about for a while at Arsenal, his contract runs out. Uh, Alexander Lacazette's contract runs out. Mm-hmm. I think there's going to be a summer of some upheaval at the arsenal. There's, there has to be. I mean, you're losing, you're losing your two veteran up front players within six months of each other. Mm-hmm. And one of the dynamic young players is most likely going to be on the move. 
Um, Arsenal going to have some questions to answer. Uh, Mikel Arteta himself. And also with Arsenal, while they don't sit in a bad spot right now, I'm interested to see how they go, how they do going forward. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no guarantee that Arsenal are just going to pick up and start kicking ass and taking names. Right. So, um, you know, maybe, maybe some guarded optimism among Arsenal fans, but I think it's very guarded. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see how they, they end up handling this because they're losing a, for whatever you think about some of them, they're losing a lot of talent and they're losing it in a pretty quick manner. Um, also, just on the transfer front, <clears throat> uh, it has been reported, hasn't been substantiated, but there are reports out there that uh, Kylian Mbappe uh, has signed a pre-contract uh, with Real Madrid, mm-hmm. which would see him moving um, at the end of the season over to the Bernabeu. And also, yep. uh, once again, somehow Barcelona, who who have no money, don't forget, uh, somehow are going to think they're going to get Erling Holland this summer. Uh, with no money. With no money. Weird how that happened. Oh, yeah. Usman Dembele did not find a club. So he gets to now rot at Barca for another six months. Yeah. I also kind of like that one since we like to talk about Spurs a little bit on that one. Uh I did like how suddenly there was like this flurry of, oh, well, maybe, maybe Dembele is going to Tottenham and everybody's like, no. We, we're yeah. literally getting rid of Ndombele. Why are we bringing in another mercurial midfield Frenchman? No. Exactly. Another, no. another, another French malcontent. No yes. No, we're not doing that. Stop it. We have enough yeah, transfers we fail in. Don't make up one, other ones that we're really not doing. Yeah, I can't think of a less Conti player in this world than <laughs> Ndombele. I can't think of anyone who would be more out of place. Yeah. Playing for playing for him, you know. Oh, uh Pogba. Oh, Paul would be wonders. There you go. But you know, didn't did Pogba play for him at Juventus? Uh good question. I can look that up real quick. Of course that was uh that would have been back when Pogba, you know, gave a damn and was <laughs> busting his ass because he was of course trying to prove Manchester United wrong. Right. Um yeah, I, th- I think we forget now. I think a lot of people kind of it, it drifts from their mind that there was a reason that Manchester United paid so much damn money for Paul Pogba. True, because he was fantastic. Mm-hmm. He was fantastic in Italy, but uh, as soon as he got over to the UK and immediately got like his own, wasn't he like the original NFT or some shit? So yeah, I guess he would have been. Uh... Yeah, because Conte was at Juventus from 11 to 14, and Pog was there from 2012 to 2016. So, yeah. Okay. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. But that but was yeah. that Paul Pogba. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that was certainly, a Paul Pogba. This certainly ain't that Paul Pogba. So. Yeah. This ain't your older brother's Paul Pogba. <laughs> that's true in so many different ways but yeah that's kind of my look around the um the uh transfer market and enjoy myself and now comes the summertime of course of course of course yeah uh so some big things i am i'm curious to see 
if that uh, Mbappe contract actually did get signed, because like you, I haven't seen anything to actually confirm it yet. So mm-hmm. I, I would be very curious to see if that's already been signed, because um, to my recollection, I do believe Real Madrid and Paris Saint-Germain are playing a Champions League round of 16 tie coming up here in a couple weeks. Perfect time to announce it. Oh, yes. No, they, they really should have done... Okay, so this, they should have just signed the contract, but one of the stipulations was winner actually gets Mbappe. So <laughs> if PSG wins the tie, he stays at PSG. If Real Madrid wins, he goes to Madrid. Oh, that'd be so great. It would obviously be super illegal, but... But, but oh, man, that'd be... Unless, like, Mbappe just didn't play in it, I guess, but... Man, that'd be... Oh, it, it would be super fun when Mbappe suddenly pulling shots and people are like, what the hell's wrong with Mbappe? He's like, I want to fucking go to Spain, you assholes. Screw this shit. Oh, man. Ah, oh, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Uh, well, we can't leave our transfer talk until we, we say uh, what I know is on everybody's minds, and that was uh, former Tottenham Hotspur Gedson Fernandez. Uh, he is on loan from Benfica to Kaiko Rizespor in the uh, the Turkish Super League. So uh, happy trails, Getson Fernandez. Good luck in Turkey. Good luck, buddy. Oh, man, he's going to be great. Amazing. Um, all right, so we're going to hit the news and notes now. Uh, not too much. Um, and yes, as Wes mentioned, uh, we're not going to go too far into, um, but as reported by many outlets, uh, this one I'm pulling from is uh, Defector. Uh, Mason Greenwood was arrested following rape and assault allegations. Um, a woman posted, uh, a woman named Harriet Robson posted on social media uh, pictures and audio recordings that were very graphic in detail. Uh, they are out there. Uh, I would highly suggest to not at least listen to the audio because it is horrifying. Um, whether it is whether it is real or not, and I am inclined to believe that it is real, it is horrifying to listen to. Dude, I would strongly advise you to not do it if you're listening to this. Um, and so he, she she posted that, and he was taken into custody. Uh, and Manchester United actually acting very swiftly, not saying you know we support him. They just basically said nope. He will not be playing for us for the foreseeable future. Um, so I, I think this is a a very real thing. Uh, I don't think we're going to spend too much time on it, Wes. But if you did have any thoughts, uh, you can go ahead and share them now. Um, I mean, there's not really a lot to add to that. Um, it's still very early in the process. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have all the facts. We don't have all the information. Um that's not to cover anything up for Mason Greenwood. Mm-hmm. There's there seems to be quite a bit of damning evidence against the young man. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, for one, obviously he doesn't play for my team. He plays for my rival. I certainly, I, I would love to see this come to a head that he didn't do these things. Um, but if he did, then you know he deserves. I say if he did, he deserves what he's going to get. Absolutely. And, and if he did, it's um, it's going to be a really, it's going to turn into a really, really sad uh, case of what if. Mm-hmm. Because hell of a young talent, um, you know, has been playing uh, it, for the senior England side. 
uh, was most likely on his way to the World Cup. <clears throat> and uh, now it looks like, you know, if, if these allegations are true, then, you know, he, he's flushed that career down the drain. Well, and even even before we say they're true, we can't imagine, mm-hmm. unless it gets wrapped up very quickly one way or another, mm-hmm. I can't see him getting anywhere near the English national team while this is going on. Oh, no, Not that no, that's no. the most important thing, aspect of this, but for, no. for our talking points, uh, it certainly matters. Right. Um, I would also say, the cynic in me now wants to say uh, United only acted quickly because they can't have two alleged rapists on their team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Two's two's wow. too many. One is just the right number, right, Ronaldo? Um, and, well, it means uh, no, no, no American tour for United, right? Yeah. Um, I will say one thing I find interesting, and I, I there may be a reason. Maybe maybe it's due to the age. Um, I did find it interesting that Greenwood was immediately named by by the Manchester police, while mm-hmm. I still don't believe Giffy Sigurdsson has been named. In his case, now I, I don't know if that's because that that was with relations uh, allegedly with a minor, and this was this was while a terrible alleged uh, rape and assault incident uh, that this woman was of age. Um, I don't know if that's why he's able to be named here, and um, again, widely believed to be guilty. Well, but but you not. know that that never that never stopped them from dropping Adam Johnson's name everywhere. So. You know what? That's very true. So, um, yeah, I just don't know. I mean, we I, we obviously have no idea where investigations or things mm. going on are, but um, yeah, there yeah. it is. We we like to say in this country, you know, in America at least, you know, innocent until proven guilty. But there is at, at least on this first blush, there is a lot of damning evidence that has already appeared, and if that evidence is legitimate. It's mm-hmm. really hard to see how this uh, how this case turns out well for Mason Greenwood. So um, oh, yeah. we'll see. We'll see where this goes, um, and we'll see where the legal process takes it. Um, yeah. Um, so a little bit of more brighter news as we end the uh, the news and notes p- portion here. Uh, this is coming from the Athletic. Um, I guess slightly brighter. I guess uh, this posted by the Athletic staff just a couple hours ago. Uh, El Salvador playing the World Cup qualifying match versus Canada under protest cites mm-hmm. disrespect from Federation officials. And I at first thought this meant CONCACAF officials when I first read it. No, it's it's their own country. Um, according to the article, uh, the El, Salva- El Salvador is playing Wednesday's match against Canada under protest because of disrespect from their officials and bonuses not getting paid. The players released a statement prior to the match threatening to forfeit after not reaching an agreement agreement with the Salvadorian Soccer Federation. Uh, almost an hour later, the players released another statement saying they would play. Uh, As a united group, we have decided to play and give everything to keep this illusion of a country alive. That's a sentence. Uh, we will play for ourselves, our families, and for our fans, despite having these unfortunate actions, which affect the concentration focus that a game of this level requires. Um, now, El Salvador is in sixth. Currently, uh, they have actually now just lost to Canada. Uh, 2-0. Uh, so El Salvador's firmly in sixth and currently eight points adrift of Panama, who are in fourth place. Um, so their their dreams are dead, but this is... Uh, oh boy, this is bad. Not not terribly surprising, I have to say. Um, I mean, the U.S. Men's, uh, the, the U.S. Soccer Federation isn't always the best 
and most up and up with its players, especially the women. So it's not shocking that a smaller country like El Salvador's Federation would also be uh, not super good on paying its players. Mm-hmm. Not, not surprising, to say the least. <laughs> so uh, congrats on them making a statement and, uh, and then giving it their all in their, their 2-0 loss. Um, so with that... Uh, I think that's about it. Uh, again, t- transfer talked about was a lot, but we absolutely have to pimp the athletic uh, after some great reporting like that. Uh, Wes, what you have to uh, to pimp from the athletic this week? Oh man, there is so much from the athletic this week. Where I want to start, Anthony Martial. Oh, well, there, there's one who went from United. Uh, we forgot about that. Abundance of oh, yeah. talent and a dream debut, but relationship with Man United fizzled out. Uh, Andy Mitten wrote that this past Saturday, uh, so you can read about the uh, the rise and fall of uh, Anthony Martial. Uh, he made his way to uh, to France. I can't tell you where in France he went, but uh, he gone. He is gone. He gone. Um, <clears throat> so today, being Wednesday, February the second, mm-hmm. was. Um, what used to be the greatest day for uh, college football um, recruiting fans like myself, because this used to be signing day, but now the early signing day, it's just kind of like the second signing day. Mm -hmm. So it's not as cool as it used to be, (laughs) but leading up to it, a horse, a Rolls Royce, 10 pairs of cleats, the growing importance of photo shoots in college football recruiting. I literally just hovered over this. These pictures are amazing. What the hell? They are absolutely spectacular because just this is the shit that everyone like thinks that you need to do now. Every, every, you know, you go on a visit, you put on that team's uniform, you put it all on and you go take these like weird, crazy pictures. Um, so the best ones of this, I don't know. Have you, have you seen the, um, Oh God, I'm, I'm literally staring at him right now. Um, uh, the the LSU coach, um, Brian. Let me Jesus sl- Christ, why can I suddenly not remember his name? I'm literally staring at him, right? Brian Kelly, excuse me. Oh, yeah. Brian Kelly has made two of like the cringiest videos you will ever yeah, see. Yeah, I saw one of them to uh, introduce a player. Yeah, that was oh, good. so <clears throat> this week, this past week. Um, January the 28th, one was released with uh, Danny Lewis Jr., who's one of the top tight end prospects in the country. It's like, it's really uncomfortable. Brian Kelly doing all these weird things. Yep. And then today, Danny Lewis Jr. signed with Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, social media, um, you know, the, the kids and their social medias, Ed. You know, I bet they have to go get on the computer and do the and dial up the internet and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, these photo shoots and the way that players are sold has become just huge. You know, especially here in the age of NIL, there's money out there to be made. Um, these guys, they want, you know, they want to uh, advertise where they've been, where they're going. Uh, show how cool they are, things like that. And these photo shoots are absolutely bizarre, but this is the kind of stuff that uh, is happening now. Amazing. 
And the last one I've got, strike that idea, revisiting Angels replacement players and lessons learned from the spring of 1995. Oh. Um, yeah, jumping in, uh, Sam Blum uh, jumps in talking about the Anaheim Angels 1995. Uh, starts off talking about an exhibition game that the Angels played with Arizona State. Um, and some uh, some interesting comments maybe that were made, uh, maybe not made by uh, now legendary Arizona State head coach Pat Murphy. Um, but it kind of goes into, you know, the last time we had the labor stoppage in baseball. And, of course, they, they went with the replacement players for a little bit. Now, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken, the replacement players did not play actual regular season games. I don't believe so. I don't believe they made it that far, but they were playing spring training games and um yeah, it was uh it was interesting to say the least. Um, but I know baseball and their labor shit right now, they're not getting any closer to a solution. Spring training's supposed to start in two weeks and hmm. I mean there's there, there's no way, right? It doesn't seem like there, it. There's no freaking way that we're getting spring training at this point. So um yeah, uh, very disappointing, but uh, a fun. It's actually it's a fun little read, a little dive into into that world and the things that were going on back then. So, I don't well, want to do it again, Ed. Well, luckily for you, my first athletic article that I'm going to pimp out is from Evan Drellich, which is updated at just before six o'clock today on February, or sorry, yesterday on February first. Uh, MLB, MLBPA have heated 90-minute meeting. Both sides remain very far apart. Yay. Which is great because the last time the Athletic reported on a meeting between the MLB and the MLBPA, it was also described as heated. So that's good that (laughs) this is... Oh, no. Oh no! This is where, as, as the 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 first answer, the very first comment on the article says, short answer, <laughs> we're boned. Um, yeah. I, I, oh god, this it, it's really bad. Um, I, I don't know that when this is gonna get fixed. I don't know how this is gonna get fixed. We'll see. Just, just a absolute shit show. Um. But speaking of shit shows, um, thanks to Bill Belichick, former Dolphins coach Brian Flores, NFL is at Fort Road in its hiring practices. This one by the athletic staff. Uh, There are multiple articles on Athletic about Brian Flores and his lawsuit of the NFL, um, where he is alleging that the teams are not really falling through on the uh, Rooney rule, which is designed that uh, teams, I almost called them clubs, teams in the NFL must uh, uh, do interviews with at least one minority candidate for coaching positions. I also believe executive positions, although I'm not totally sure on that one. Um, And thanks to a wonderful text by Bill Belichick, who uh, texted Brian Flores about congratulations on getting the Giants head coaching job. There was only one problem. Flores hadn't officially interviewed for the Giants head coaching job yet. And Belichick was actually trying to text someone else who already had interviewed. 
Yay. So that, this he, is, was try, he was, of course, trying to text Brian Dayball, who is now the coach of the New York Jets. Shocking. Um, <laughs> yeah, amazing stuff there. So we're going to see this play out. Um, also, I will, we, we, I'm loath to, to give credit to ESPN for anything, um, but credit to them for actually going after this story and really reporting on it and not trying to bury it. Uh, given how in bed they are with the NFL. That's like the most minimal of props to ESPN for doing that. And the biggest reason I'm saying that is because I've seen reports of how the NFL network is handling it. And it's not nearly as in depth as what ESPN is doing. So as uh, as someone who were used to work at NFL network uh, told some people, uh, there are some very puckered butts over at the NFL network right now with, uh, with this story. So very exciting. Can't wait for this to be the 187th thing that doesn't bring down the NFL. Um, and then lastly, to actually try and end this on a bit of a high note, uh, I don't think I'll ever get used to the spotlight. Shoei Otani on his growing stardom video game cover and future. This is by Sam Blum from a couple days ago. Um, she mm-hmm. was report- revealed this week that Shoei Otani will be the face of MLB The Show 22. Uh, which is very cool. Uh, obviously, Otani with an amazing season last year, both pitching and hitting. Um, definitely poised to be one of the faces of Major League Baseball if it returns at some point. Um, but either way, also very cool that MLB The Show will be on every console this year, including mm-hmm. the Nintendo Switch. Um, I actually I had gotten a free trial to the Xbox uh, Game Pass thingy, and so I was able to play a little bit of last year's um, game on the on my computer here. Uh, that's a really good baseball game. I always knew it was a it was a good baseball game. People always told me it was a good baseball game um, from from the people who make the show series. Uh, this is the first time I've ever actually played it. It's really good. So so props to them for making a good game. Um, yeah, props. Yeah, you you've played uh, the sh- uh, some version of the show, right? Yeah, I think I've played the show 19 and 20. I haven't played the 21 one, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I love the show. Great game. I will not, I will not lie. Uh, I didn't play a ton of games with it, um, but I did spend about 45 minutes in its stadium creator mode. So that mm-hmm. was a lot. That was a lot of fun, actually. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, so that, that was a really cool game. Really, really good game. And I'm excited to see uh, if maybe I can get a crack at uh, the new version. Um, so before we hit the watch for, this is not technically an athletic article, but I do want to bring it up and get Wes's thoughts on it. This is from MLBTradeRumors.com. Uh, this was posted almost a week ago. Uh, our favorite league, the Frontier League, which likes to do a bunch of crazy rule changes mm-hmm. to see how they go. And Wes, I'm not sure if you've heard this one yet, but this year they are going to try an extra inning rule where sudden death is implemented. Um, so what's going to happen is, um, the first extra inning, which is the 10th in regular contests and the eighth, uh, when they have, uh, seven inning double headers, uh, will proceed according to international tiebreaker rules, which is where they put a man on second base to start the inning. Um, we, we know that if the game is still tied after that one extra inning, they're going to go to one sudden death inning. And this is how it's going to work. Before the start of the inning, 
the manager of the home team will decide whether to play offense or defense. The offensive team will begin the inning with a free runner, the previous bat in the lineup, on first base. Uh, picking up wherever they're scheduled in the lineup, the offensive team has three outs to score the runner. If the runner scores, the offensive team wins. If they don't score, the defensive team wins. So it's not even a sudden death inning. It is a sudden death half inning. And the home team gets to pick whether they try to score the run or defend against the run. Um, I don't know if they should do this in Major League Baseball, but this is legitimately one of the coolest ideas I have ever heard, Wes. Oh, man, I totally agree. That sounds pretty freaking awesome. Uh, yeah, I kind of agree on that. I don't really know if we go Major League Baseball in on this. But, man, I mean, especially for minor league games and hell, the All-Star game and, yeah, uh, actually. you know, exhibitions, anything like that. Hell, yeah, that sounds great. So which right, do you think? Because, hey, we, we should never, ever, ever, ever see a tie in baseball. True. Uh, been some extra inning games that have been some of the greatest games I ever watched. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, this takes away from game four. Yeah. Of the 04 ALCS. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we don't get to the 12th inning. We don't get Big Poppy, the new Hall of Famer Big Poppy. Yes. Uh, we don't get him hitting it over the wall and Joe Buck saying, we'll see you later. Mm-hmm. I think of Joe Buck, that's one of the best calls ever. Um, we we lose some moments, but man, in the long run, that would be pretty freaking nice. And I tell you what, like, even if... Even if they didn't implement this, like if you just said, we're not using this in the postseason, so you still can have moments like that. But Pittsburgh versus Cincinnati in June doesn't go 19 innings anymore. It just goes at most two extra innings or one and a half extra innings. And that's that to me isn't bad. Um, Again, I don't even know that I'd want it to really be in Major League Baseball, but as long as they didn't, as long as the postseason, just like in hockey. You know, in the regular season in hockey, I think they play five-minute overtime, and if it's still tied, they do a penalty shootout. Um, But in the playoffs, they go until there's a winner. Um, And I I wouldn't be super opposed to Major League Baseball doing something similar, where it's like, hey, in the regular season, we got to speed these games along. We don't want 20-inning games in the regular season necessarily. But in the playoffs, no. We we straight up play till there's a winner. I I would I'd be okay with that. So so now my question yeah. is, or go ahead go ahead. I'll let you I'll let you finish. Oh no no I'm just I'm just agreeing with you. I can totally get with that. So would you if you were the home team, which do you think you would take? Would you would you want to go on offense or would you want to go on defense? Uh, that that completely and utterly depends on the arm in my bullpen. True. Very true. I mean, if uh, if if I've got Mariano Rivera, yeah. I'm going to play some damn defense. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to play defense, baby. Um, <clears throat> if I've got a, uh, if I've got um, uh, Ortiz, Manny, and um, 
shit. I'm blanking on my boys back then. But, you know, if I've got Ortiz and Manny coming up, eh, let's go hit. <laughs> you know, there you go. There you go. I've got Kevin Millar leading off, so I get Dave Roberts on base. You know, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to hit at that point, maybe. But um, I think it'd be really interesting because, I mean, that would have to be. I mean, where, where am I at in my lineup? You know, who have I got due up? Who have I got on my bench? You know, if I'm hitting my six, seven, eight hole hitters, eh, I, might, eh, I think I'm going to look harder at going to the bullpen. Uh, but if I've got like two, three, four coming up and, and I'm very confident in two, three, four, then, you know, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe I'm taking first swings. You know what I think maybe this does, this would be very interesting. I think this would maybe have teams essentially get like C, but don't not as much anymore. Just like guys who are really fast. Like Roberts was, because if you think mm-hmm. about it, it's only half inning. Mm-hmm. So this pinch runner, because it doesn't like even like in your situation, mm-hmm. like let's say you're the Red Sox and Ortiz made the last out in the 10th and you're you're hitting well you just sub out Ortiz because there's no way he gets up to bat again the rest of the game um so I wonder if if that would bring someone like that back into the game because you would want to have like this super speed demon who that's that's essentially all they do um, mm-hmm. Is just pinch run in these sort of like extra inning type situations also I'm very worried that teams would just like always automatically bunt um, with a man on first to start the inning and just try to get him to second with one out, which I hate, but <sighs> I don't know. I really like this idea. Again, I don't know that I, if I wanted to see it in Major League Baseball, but man, it's a really interesting idea. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's got me, man, because like I said, you know, I've seen some amazing extra inning games. I have seen plenty of extra inning games that I've literally just wanted to shoot myself. Yeah. Again, I would never I would never suggest this for for playoffs of any kind, but for regular season games. I mean, and I still think this yeah. is better than necessarily doing the 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 just put a man on second thing um and going like that. Like yeah. I I think putting a man on first is fine. I don't know. I really like this idea. I really like it. Ooh. Um so We're Unfortunately, the two sides have bigger issues than that to work yeah. out before before they can get to that. Um, with that, uh, Wes, let's uh, let's hit the watch for. What are you watching in the week that was or the week that will be? Uh, a couple things. A, I must continue with my beloved of Shit Creek. Mm-hmm. It just continues on such a wonderful, wonderful path every week. Uh, thank God for the Levy boys because they made it happen. At least one Daniel Levy is getting the job done when it matters. <laughs> um, we watched uh, War Dogs last night. What's that? So it is a movie. I believe it came out in 2018. Um, it stars uh, Jonah Hill is uh, one of the stars in it. 
And the other one is, uh, is actually 2016. I had seen this before. Uh, Miles Teller uh-huh. is your other main character. Uh, the Coop is in it, Bradley Cooper. Uh, <laughs> Anna de Armas uh, plays the uh, lead female role. Um, I don't really know a lot of her uh, acting abilities, but she is absolutely stunning, and apparently she dated Ben Affleck for a while. Huh. So, um, you know, whatever that says about her uh, character. But uh, <laughs> uh, it, based on a true story, I remember reading uh, this story in Rolling Stone like many, many, many years ago. Uh, this took place uh, during the mid-2000s. Um, it, it has to do with uh, basically these guys start a small company uh, getting defense contracts mm-hmm. uh, from the U.S. government, and um, they they start small and they they end up working their way up to uh, a job, and they end up having to go overseas to salvage it. Um, they do it, and their reputation grows, and then they take on a job that's way too big for them, and um, a lot of issues happen um but it, it kind of shows some of the it shows some of the government corruption that was going on back in the the mid 2000s uh as one man says god bless dick cheney's america um, <laughs> it, it was it was over once again uh defense spending defense contracts it's it's interesting if you have any interest in that side of the the military kind of I guess they call it the military industrial complex. Mm-hmm. I find it absolutely fascinating. Um, I thought it was and, and on top of it, it to me it was just it was a really good movie. Um, I, I really enjoyed it, um, and uh, it, it is on the Netflix. Um, but uh, interesting movie and an interesting story if you can ever find it. Okay. Um, so this is not a show I think I'm ever going to watch, but I did want to bring it up because I saw it shortly before we uh, we started uh, potting. Um, and I, I just I had no idea this was a thing until literally about two hours ago. Um, there is apparently a series original series on Hulu called Pam and Tommy, which uh, is yep. a, about Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee's relationship. Um, and in this show are both, uh, or not both, uh, Sebastian Stan, who is playing Tommy Lee, uh, as well as Nick Offerman and um, Seth mm-hmm. Rogen is also in this show. Um, Nick, Nick Offerman, of course, playing Pamela Anderson. <laughs> that, that is... That was the weirdest one. I read an article that said they they had to get so much prosthetic work done to make him look like Pamela, and wow, it's it really paid off because he looks just like her in this show. The best part, um, he keeps his trademark mustache. <laughs> um, the irony of you saying that is, I actually have right now an article, uh, an interview from Entertainment Weekly pulled up, and he does not have a mustache in this video interview. My gracious. Um, so yeah, again, I do not think I'm ever going to watch it. Um, I will say Sebastian Stan does pull off Tommy Lee pretty well. 
uh, at least in looks. So that's 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 pretty good. Um, yeah, but just what a random thing to see advertised on Hulu three hours ago. I sure. Um, so again, never gonna watch it. Um, and for me, something I actually did watch. Um, so this is also a Netflix show. Um, and ironically enough, a show I'm probably never going to watch again. Um, have you heard of a show on Netflix, Wes, called In From The Cold? Uh, is it the, not the one with DiCaprio in it, is it? No. No, then. Okay. So this is a show, and we're watching it because, uh, first name producer Jackie actually knows one of the, uh, co-stars in the show. Um, and I will just say that his acting is with no bias, just because it's the friend of one name producer, Jackie, no bias. His acting is the absolutely best part of this show. It's also the only good thing about the show. (laughs) The show is trash. (laughs) It is garbage. It is, it is, um, Without giving too much away, in case anybody hates themselves and wants to go watch it, uh, it is ostensibly about a former uh, Soviet spy known as the Whisperer who was able to complete all these missions back in the 90s um, with never getting caught and without ever being photographed or or anything, um, but is tracked down by this CIA man to now 20 some years later after she disappeared from from Russia um to help with a mission or two and with the with the idea that if she does not she will go to jail. Uh Wes, did you ever watch The Blacklist? I never watched The Blacklist, but I remember The Blacklist. Okay. This is a worse James version Spader, of The Blacklist. Right? Yeah, James Spader. Yeah. yeah. James you can see at least that show even though it wasn't a super good mm-hmm. show, it had James Spader like hamming it up all over the place and that's good oh man james spader doing just just chewing scenery is fantastic this show has nothing like that again the closest thing is one name producer jackie's friend who legitimately even with the terrible dialogue he is given does pretty good work um and again this show features dialogue lines such as well why don't you spread your cheeks and take one for uncle sam Good times. Um, uh, it's uh, it's not a good show. It's from <laughs> from acting uh, to set design to to just the general story that doesn't make sense. Um, it's just not a good show. Um, and one of the weird, the worst parts is, and this is something one name Jack, uh, one name producer Jackie brought up. It looks and feels cheap. Which is something really weird to say about a Netflix show. Because you'd think Netflix would just throw a ton of money at all their shows. Um, apparently they did not with this one. Or at least it's, that's how it seems. So, yay. Don't watch In From The Cold unless you really want a Mystery Science Theater 3000 it. Because that was kind of fun. Making fun of the show was kind of fun. Um, but it is not an actual good show. So, there you go. Um, well, that is... What a, what an uplifting watch for this was for me. Oh, um, <laughs> with that, just, uh, just watch Shit's Creek, Jesus. 
very good. We should just watch that again. Uh, that is going to do it for episode 400. What a way to cap off episode 400. Um, once again, this episode is presented by NGSC Sports at NGSCSports.com. We never stop. You can find them on the socials as well as us. Uh, as a collective on Twitter, we are at AFA Pod. Wes, you are? I'm at Wes Bradshaw 21. I am at Edward Green. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube via our parent show, The All New Sports Show, and email us at allnewsportshow at gmail.com. Uh, thanks to our podcast providers, including Anchor, which is powered by Spotify, uh, Stitcher Spreaker, iHeartRadio, the TuneIn Radio app, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. And if you want to send us <coughs> in a comment, check out that link in the description. You can send us one via Anchor. Uh, you can send us a voice message, and if it's good, we'll play it on air. Uh, that oh. is going to do it for this week, though. Um, we'll have actual matches to talk about next week as uh, the Premier League kicks back off, and we're just a couple weeks away from the Champions League restarting. Um, but before we get out of here, Wes, anything else you want to add? Ed, I just have to serenade everyone with the uh, new Diogo Jota song that's being sung from the cot these days. Oh, boy. Oh, he wears a number 20. He will take us to victory. And when he's running down the left wing, he'll cut inside and score for LFC. He's a lad from Portugal, better than Figo, don't you know? Oh, his name is Diogo. What song is that based on? I don't know. These guys made it up. Kind of familiar. It premiered in uh, it premiered in the San Siro the first time it was sung by some Liverpool fans. <laughs> uh, oh, Diogo Jota! I absolutely love Diogo Jota. As you oh. know. I, we do know. We do know. Yeah. Um, I got nothing to say because I don't have any fucking baseball. So. Yeah, that's we we may never again. Um, don't do it to us, owners. Don't do it to us. With that, we are going to call it for McCollin Crime, West Bradshaw. I am Edward Green. Thanks so much for joining us here this week. And until next time, stay safe. Enjoy the football. Love you guys. Sleep tight, Evertonians. It's only <laughs> getting better from here. Wait a minute, that's not a promise. <laughs> True. True. And not promises. Promises, promises. You're listening to NGSE Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSCSports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports' YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop.